You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mountain Fire podcast. Uh, I guess we're doing a football podcast today. Since we were chatting with Brandon Huffman of 24-7 Sports here in a moment. But website, if you're new to us and you found it just because of uh, however somebody retweeted it or you just stumbled across us, thanks for doing so. Hit Click on that play and download, downloaded button. MWWire.com is where all of our other stuff, our written content, football, basketball, anything we talk about within the Mountain West. And yeah, we'll get creative with no football this fall, but we'll keep you updated. We'll have some fun. But uh, this particular show, we're talking about recruiting. Nothing super specific or in-depth as for players, but we're chatting with, uh, like I said, Brandon Huffman about how will the cycle go because it could be a two-year disruption because you have states like out west because he's up in Washington. That state's not starting football till the fall, um, or excuse me, spring, January. California's pushed back, Arizona, uh, most of the Pac-12 states out there. Think about that way. A lot of the Mountain West states as well. I know Utah has football here where we're at, so that's a little bit different. It's kind of weird to have high school football in Utah and, I believe, Colorado, but no college football in the state. So we talk about how that will go, how there's player transferring. Like, I know for a fact, players from Las Vegas and California are trying to come to Utah to play because there are seasons to be played in Utah and not elsewhere. So we dive into to that. We dive into, like, how much of a advantage or how beneficial this could possibly be for Mountain West schools because – we see those last-second offers from USC, from a Pac-12 school, and some guy from San Diego State or Fresno State committee goes to the Pac-12 school in their region in that northern Southern California area. Uh, we get into that because that could be beneficial. If the Mountain West gets this guy that they've been on forever, there's no last-second chance to uh, swoop in and steal him because if there's no season to play, it's also a disadvantage because younger guys or seniors who could be first-year varsity guys that are finally getting the plan. They're season to push back till fall. I mean, I keep saying fall till January, excuse me, spring. And we did talk about if the potential of the uh, secondary signing date, the more traditional one in February gets pushed back to line up with the other sports like basketball in April, that could be a possibility to give more time. But the early signing period could be a boon for the Mountain West and G5 teams where, hey, we're on the sky. They have no other offers. We'll also go to the other end. What about schools who throw, shoot, shoot confetti guns of offers out there? Those are binding offers. And so there could be a guy who, heck, I'm taking my spot right now because that's what I got and I'm not giving it up. And that's the thing where schools have to deal with numbers and players get to decide to go where they want to go because, hey, I got this UCLA offer. Why not go there? Because even though he may not, who knows how good or not good they'll be at the college level, but they have that offer because some schools clearly over offer. You'll see it all the time. There's an offer from a high profile college football, say Florida, Notre Dame, Texas, uh, USC out west. And then you'll see, and everybody's guilty of this, G5, P5. Like, if there's an offer to USC, and there might be an offer from San Diego State, Fresno State, UNLV, blindly just doing it because, hey, if it's good enough for USC, it's good enough for them. And so that's kind of changing. We also get into how next year's cycle is being different because official offers are just now going out. I believe that's what it, what he said as we, yes, we did pre-record, but trying to recall. But, yeah, we go all, all over the benefits, uh, negatives, pluses, minuses, the intricacies of how this will work for recruits, coaches included himself doing his job, which is way different being one of the higher-ups there at 
recruiting uh, recruiting guy out there. He's done it for a long, long time, so that's great to uh, get him to chat about it. But we'll get to the interview right now to get more thoughts from Brady Huffman, so enjoy. All right, we're joined by, as we mentioned, the national re- recruiting editor over at 24-7 Sports, Brandon Huffman, to talk. Uh, we normally don't, Brandon, don't do a ton of type recruiting. We follow it here, and they're close enough to know who's coming in. But what we're dealing with right now, it's just crazy. You've got to see, see some stories what's going on. So we're going to talk big picture stuff, how COVID's impacting no high school football in some places, Mountain West recruiting, teams not playing. So that's what we're going to get into today, and hopefully we'll – Maybe you have some insight because you're the expert here. Some answers, maybe. <laughs> I, I wish. This is the time of year where I normally have answers, but thanks to the LNCAA, I have just as much clarity as many of the coaches that I talked to in the last two weeks have. None. So, <laughs> exactly. So what? So this time of year, we'd typically be a couple weeks from the start of the season, which we still sort of are. And the recruiting aspect right now, you'd have a lot of, I'm assuming, more like all the official visits that are coming up like, oh, you want to go to game day. Like, how are, what are they typically this time of year kids are doing for high school recruits? I know they're playing football. Obviously, here in Utah, we started. Other places, like where you're at, it's not pushing it back, but Washington. So, like, what's the typical high school recruit doing this time of year? Just getting calls and texts and letters from the coaches they're looking at? They're sending tape and stuff? Like, in a typical type of year, you know, they're basically, like you said, setting up official visits for the fall, setting up unofficial visits for the fall. Um, a lot of them are ramping up their schoolwork because they're graduating in December. So they're, you know, doubling on their, their schoolwork to try to get out of there by December, be on the college campus in January. Um, you know, guys, a lot of them have made commitments already in a normal year. And this year, there's even, I think, 800 more that have made a commitment than normal this time of year. So right now, you're just seeing a lot of guys that are in a wait and see mode. They, they don't know what the NCAA recruiting calendar is going to look like. They don't know if the NCAA is going to open up campuses for official visits or even for unofficial visits. And so, you know, right now, half the country not even playing football, you've got a good chunk of the recruits in the country essentially in a holding pattern with regards to their recruitment and towards their senior year in football. So with all those commits, like you mentioned, the higher the normal out- output of, uh, I guess, the verbal commits we should say right now, we know some schools will send out commits like candy, like not commits, but I mean offers. Like, could there be some schools like they send offer to anybody and anybody or the blind offers like, oh, this player got offered by USC. So 10 of those schools out West will offer them. Like, are these, when these get these offers sent out, I assume they're like, are they, I know they're official offers, but schools over just the paper, the towel, essentially some of these schools is that, how could that come back to bite a school? Because if a kid gets an offer from a pretty high profile school he doesn't play. The schools don't, the college, I should say, don't see his new tape or whatever reason. Like, can they still go and get that same offer for a high-profile offer, even though they may not be as good as they thought? Well, yeah, and that's why you've seen a lot of schools kind of address how they've offered 2022 recruits with a lot of guys having committed in the 2021 class. Schools are essentially stuck, and now what you're going to have happen is you know, largely on the West Coast, with the exception of Utah and I think Idaho and Montana who are playing this fall, all of the other real big states out west, California, Arizona, Oregon, Washington, Nevada, they're not playing until January, February, March, April-ish. So now if you're a school who's just kind of throwing out offers and a kid commits, Whoops. <laughs> usually you, you, you've had the, the opportunity to watch their senior year. Then you do the encouraging, of, hey, you should probably take some official visits and you should keep your options open where they essentially drop a recruit. Now those recruits, if the December signing period doesn't go away and – you know, one thing I've, I've learned from talking to a lot of college coaches is that they do not want the December signing period to go away. They're okay with the February signing period getting moved back, 
but they want that December signing period. The danger is now you can sign a kid in December. He sucks his senior year, mm-hmm. and the school is essentially stuck recruiting him. The, the recruited him is stuck with him for at least a year before they encourage him to go into the portal because he's already signed to be delivered for that school. So you're now seeing less 2022 offers going out. Schools are now realizing we got to get out and see some of these kids. We may have made some early offers just to, you know, get our name out there and to get some positive buzz. But now with guys committing and no ability to evaluate them in the spring and the summer are now into the fall, you may be stuck with some guys that you didn't necessarily want. So that's a good point. That could be very interesting. But with those 2022, not offers, but like, as far as I can tell you, recruit like and you're the expert here. You deal with this all the time. So what are they? What's the strategy now? Because you're not sending offers. Is it just sending brochures, letters, texts, just to keep the conversation open, so that you're still involved in your life, but you're not saying, "Here's the offer," just in case, like what could be happening this upcoming signing period. So essentially, what we had last year is, or the last month, I guess it'll be this month. We're full in August. This year is all running together. I can't remember what yeah. uh, we're We're in August. So August 1st is when official offers went out. So for a lot of guys that haven't committed, they got official offers to come in. That was those coaches' way of reminding them, we really like you, here's your official offer. For a lot of commits, they got their official offer from the school they committed to. But then there's some guys that maybe had early offers, but they didn't get an official offer, and that verbal offer doesn't mean anything anymore because a school is full. So the official offer is kind of like a recalibration of, of sorts, if you will, a, just a reminder for a lot of those guys that haven't committed, we still love you, we still want you, but if you didn't get an official flock from a school, well, then I think you kind of have an idea where you stand with that particular school. And I think that, that you know, it's a good approach to do, but right now it's just a lot of maintenance. You know, you're seeing some recruits go and take unofficial visits in the sense that they're not paid official visits, but these are also unofficial visits in that there's no football as a part of this visit at all. We had some guys out west go down and visit Georgia, commit to Georgia from Napa, California. He went down, he visited the town, he visited Athens, he walked around the school, he met up with the quarterback commit and his family, but he never got to talk to Kirby Smart or any of the head coach or any of the assistant coaches in person. So a lot of guys are just visiting the area, visiting the town of what's the schools that they're considering. Uh, you know, This weekend, Oklahoma's got a bunch of their commitments coming in for what they titled the Sooner Summit, but they don't get to go meet with Lincoln Riley or his staff. They don't get to go to football practice. They don't get to go to the facilities. They can walk around the school. They can walk around Norman. They can meet up and, and spend time with each other, but that's what it is limited to. So there's a lot of kind of you know makeshift recruiting going on in terms of the schools saying, hey, come to campus. When you get here, put on your FaceTime, and we'll escort you around campus via FaceTime, but we can't meet you face-to-face, even though you might be 20 feet from our office door. Schools are having to get creative and, you know, official offers going out is kind of their way of reminding these kids since they haven't gotten a chance to see them face-to-face in almost six months, we still are into you. So you know what they should do? I started this. There's some TV show I used to watch, uh, Happy Endings. They got the uh, the uh, iPad in the wedding seat. Just have them on a, oh, yeah. uh, like a Segway. Here's a tour with in front of you, the coach. Like, here's over here. Do, you do something that's weird. But I saw the Sooner thing. That's a good deal. So... With the, like you mentioned, like these the early signing period, I assume it's still a go, but I get the February can be pushed back if they want tape because this is could be a great thing and a terrible thing for everybody involved as there's pretty wide gap because let's say like for our league over the Mountain West, they get on guys early sometimes and then they'll get poached last second. We see it all the time. USC swipes in, Notre Dame comes in, Georgia, Texas comes in to take some guy to be like their 
fifth wide receiver instead of being number one receiver for your smaller school. Is that, like, I would assume that's got to be a positive for these Mountain West schools. Who, I don't want to say they do more homework than others, but there are some programs that aren't prepared as others. Like, we see what Boy State always gets good recruits, but they're a good school. They're going to get good recruits regardless and maybe beat out a mid-tier Power 5 team here and there. So I, I could see, like, next year so like if all these recruits don't get poached like oh we were on this guy since he was in eighth grade seen him for three years he we're fine offering him like is that some sort of you heard from coaches like this is a great thing because odds of them leaving to a bigger school to get that last second offer is not going to be this turnaround especially if they're in california or some state that's not playing until january oh absolutely i had a pac-12 i'm sorry a mountain west uh, recruiting guy tell me that very thing that you know they, they have a commitment from a kid that they love, that they think, you know, with his measurables, this kid is a for sure Pac-12 level guy, but he's also the kind of guy that's enough of a tweener that a Pac-12 school is probably not going to offer him until they get to see him in person. Well, now, you know, you could be looking as late as March until they'll get a chance to see this kid play, and now the Mountain West school is like, hey, this is great for us. Without the Pac-12 schools getting a chance to go poach him and to watch him, we have much better chance of holding on to his commitment and then signing with him. And that's kind of how they want it. And I think, you know, you're finding that the Mountain West schools that especially do their homework really well, they're the ones that are going to be positioned for a really good signing day because a lot of Mountain West schools have a good number of commits because they've done their homework. They've done a really good job. But then they've also gone after guys that – maybe Pac-12 level players, but the Pac-12 schools won't get a chance to see for a while. And if these Mountain West schools can convince these guys to sign in December, which was always kind of what the whole point of the early signing period was to kind of protect the, the group of five schools from getting poached down the stretch. Now you can see some Mountain West schools that have classes that are full of talent that may rival some Pac-12 classes. So with that, like, it's this likely seems to be, or at least cross your fingers, a one-year type of deal for delayed football. But like, We've talked about uh, spring football. This just popped in my head now. So this is a great point. Like, if they do their homework, these guys, it's not like the old days where they hide them in a hotel for a week and you sign to our school no matter what back in the 70s or whatever. But how will this impact, like, again, I just thought of this off the moment because all this spring football, there's a deal with college. Like, should they play? How many games? What's safe? Have you heard anything about, like, California, we're in Washington, Arizona, other states that are going to spring? Are they going to continue doing that or – or they should go back in the fall and just not worry about it. Could this make a two-year cycle of some unknowns for recruiting? Like, we're going to – you already told me fewer offers are going out just because of 2022. But how will those other states have big-time talent? Will that – how will their season go? Are they going to jump in the fall? Have you heard anything about that? Because that could make it, a again, a multi-year thing for more homework. You don't see these guys until spring instead of the fall. That's what's going to be really fascinating. I think you're seeing, you know, uh, I mean, we've had a handful of guys leave the state of California to go play their senior year. I've had that uh, here. Ton in Utah. They, like, we want to come from Las Vegas yeah. and Southern California to go to these great these schools just to play, and it's a backlog of a mess. Yeah, and you got a receiver from Oregon who was the number two player in the 2022 class who instantly became the number one player in the state of Utah when he transferred to, I think he's at Pleasant Grove, and, you know, makes a big impact. Nice to Pleasant Grove. You already got a big tight end like Isaac Baja. Now you throw in a 6'4 receiver who runs a 4-3-40 into the mix. And, you know, some of these schools are, are benefiting. But now the colleges may have a chance because they're a little bit closer to those recruits. And, you know, they're not necessarily that they, they can't go to campus and watch these guys play. The NCAA is still the NCAA. But what you're, you're now finding is that a, a lot of these states that are playing later 
are now in the position where maybe some of these kids are leaving the state, and now they're maybe more open to staying out of the state for college. So if a kid leaves Southern California, you know, I think one of the most high-profile cases is, is Jay Garcia, who's been committed to USC for over a year at quarterback, played at, uh, at Long Beach Poly as a freshman, and then transferred to Narbonne High School, and then eventually to La Habra, which is his home school, and ended up transferring to Valdosta High School in Georgia. Well, USC got a second quarterback commit, Miller Moss. Miami has been pushing for Jay Garcia for a long time. Jay Garcia is now at Valdosta in Georgia. What if he ends up realizing, you know what, the community's not so bad, living in the South's not so bad. Now Miami has a better chance of selling the kid without even having to convince the kid to come to the state of Miami, or to Florida, in the city of Miami. He goes and spends four months in Georgia playing football. Now USC can't babysit him like they would have. Now they can't keep track of him like they could have in the old days because he's on the other side of the country. And now maybe Jay Garcia is more open to leaving Southern California to play his college. So you're just you're finding that schools are Again, they're all kind of having to be creative. And, you know, it's going to be the most fascinating part is if there's a college football season throughout college football this fall, if, you know, the, the schools that are still maintaining that they're going to play do play and how much that affects the teams that are playing in the spring. I, I've talked to a number of Pac-12 Mountain West coaches about that last week, and they absolutely said that was being used against them. They said that immediately they were already dealing with questions from recruits of, we don't take football seriously in the Pac-12. We don't take football mm. as seriously as they do in other conferences. And the coaches are like, yeah, but we take your health more seriously than those conferences do. And, you know, now it's becoming a world war. It's becoming a who can capture the headlines and make more. It's basically becoming, you know, just a, a mudslinging contest between region of who cares about you more or who cares about football more. And it's been fascinating to, to see that develop that quickly because schools will look for any opportunity that they can to get a leg up in recruiting. And now they're fighting dirty. Yeah, I could. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I'm out here. Like, I've always been the impression like, I'd rather. I know it depends what I do. Like, listen to doctors you want to, but you got to keep it safe. Obviously, my opinion's always been just in the big picture of this. I'd rather be over prepared and be over cautious than not. Because you you mentioned the negative recruiting, which will happen. Like you mentioned, like oh, we value your health better. Well, we value football better. What's more important? Well, in my opinion, health is clearly better than football and something happy because. You don't want to be the other side of the AD or president of that school where you have to explain to a parent, unfortunately, your child is passed away from COVID-19 or some serious illness because of that. That and That's why the liability waivers are an issue. It's like you can send all the waivers you want. You're still going to be held responsible at some level. Some Something serious happens. We've seen this in other places where with sickle cell or other players just kind of, unfortunately, during practice, pass out and they're no longer with us. So you like I'd rather be healthy than die. So... This will, and like I get they want to play, but that's why I'm wondering. Like all these high schools here in Utah, they're playing. But we might talk before the Bingham game, pretty big program game, has already one being canceled. There's already been another game or two canceled this week. I think a Cypress High School and somewhere else I don't recall exactly. But there's it's gonna we're still happy these couple of games go through. But it, it happened. They give recruiting is a thing around, and you can spin it how you want. But if I'm a parent sending kids somewhere, and again this part of it too. I, hopefully, it should be an isolated thing. So them doing this, it's a double-edged sword. It's pretty risky, in my opinion, to go to especially the football side. We value football more. Odds are, this is a once-in-a-century thing we're dealing with, Brandon. This is not going to be happening not too much next year, probably a little bit, just into next uh, 2021 of the spring or fall. And so this is like a one-time thing, I would think, or at least maybe an 18th-month type of an issue. It's not going to be – Yeah. <laughs> we, I don't think this will be an every-year issue about, okay, Pac-12 in the spring forever. Mountain West is spring forever. Big Ten, Big SEC, Big 12s fall forever. So that's the hope. But 
So you got to be the smarter person to figure out what you want to do. And maybe these kids, like, I don't know, they'll redshirt the first year. Who knows? I know there's people, like, during Olympic sports, like, if you're a really good swimmer, water polo player, track and field, just redshirt the first year and go train for the Olympics. I don't know if that'll happen. But with uh, all the recruit in general, what they're looking for, like, what are, like, you talk to athletes all the time. Like, what are they feeling about what to do? Do they prefer going to schools that are playing now? Like, is there a preference of maybe changing mind because the league's playing now compared to later? Or maybe not at all? Yeah, you know, it's been kind of a hodgepodge of, of opinions. There's been some that are like, listen, I'm not going to play my senior year. I'm going to get ready to go. You know, these, and these are the states that aren't playing football until January or March. It's I'm going to skip my senior year. I want to get to that college campus as quick as I can. I mean, for high-profile kids, high school football is just a step on the way to their NFL draft party. You know, they, they're already thinking that they're signing up for the NFL and they're signing a long-term contract. So these guys are already four steps ahead. For a lot of guys, it's, I need to play my senior year to get better offers. But then the majority of these guys lie kind of in the middle. Guys that have offers but want to play their senior year, they know that they want to get to college, but they're also in no rush to get there. They want to enjoy those senior moments. So you're, you're having guys really having to wait. Is it worth playing this season? Is it worth playing in the spring? Is it worth getting to college as soon as possible and get myself prepared? Is it, you know, I, I had one guy that I talked to uh, last week. He's a Pac-12 commit. He was all set to graduate in December and then enroll at the Pac-12 school he was going to commit to, or that he was committed to in January. And then when the Pac-12, first California moved the season back, then the Pac-12 canceled the season. So he said at that point, it makes no sense to me to try to go to college. I'm not ready to go to college and spend a year as a red shirt. My goal was to get there, be there in spring, use that year to put on weight in the college program, and then be ready to play in the fall of 2021. Now, with the Pac-12 moving their season, he's like, well, now there's no rush. Now I may potentially still redshirt the 2021 season, but at least I can go play my senior year with my teammates, go spend another year making some memories. And So you're seeing a lot more guys that now they're realizing there isn't as much of a rush to get to college. To do what? Online learning? You know, to do what? You know, workouts for a football season that is still up in the air. And so a, a lot of guys have had to make really kind of big boy decisions in the recent weeks about what they were planning to do, when they planned to play, and when they planned to get there. And I think that that's, you know, something that everybody's operating under the assumption that worst case scenario there's a football season in the spring and the conferences that have canceled. And if the rest of the college football country, uh, rest of the country in college football decides to go that route, so be it. But there's a worst case scenario that, hey, we'll play sometime in the spring. Maybe the 2021, traditional 2021 season starts in October as opposed to September. Mm -hmm. And it may be 2022, the fall then, that we see the next normal college football season. True. But for the 2021 class, it's really only one year that they're losing that's kind of an abnormal year. That would be a, maybe a later start in their 2021 campaign. So that's kind of the thing with this recruiting class is they're in kind of a weird quandary without having the evaluation period, without having the visit period. But long term, if you look, you know, worst case scenario, they probably are going to have one year of their college football greatly affected by this transition and by, you know, the potential delays. Yeah, if it comes to it, you're right, sure. And then maybe they'll get some extra eligibility uh, cushion there to kind of give something out. Like, so just what we've seen last year for those uh, winter with the, uh, I guess, spring sports. But is there a deadline? Like, there are some guys, I would think, like the guy you mentioned, he's not ready to play yet. I assume there's people who say the spring goes off and kids that are committed to those schools, 
would there be kids like you talked with that like I'm gonna graduate early now if it's in their plan or if they're already going to do that to go and play spring and just jump into college football right away? I said it's gotta be some, right? Yeah, I mean they're they're hoping to. There's a lot of guys that are thinking, hey, if I play, you know, if I play in January, if we, if we do the college football season in January, February, then that's not such a bad thing. Going and play, and I'm starting my clock even sooner than you know a normal graduation would be, or even you know in the case of an early graduation, that wouldn't start your clock until the fall. Now some guys are looking, hey, I could potentially start my clock in the spring, then I play my sophomore year, which would have been my normal true freshman year, in the fall. So, you know, it's essentially what JT Daniels did when he graduated a year early, not just a year. See, as a true freshman, after Sam Darnold declared for the NFL draft, JT Daniels skipped his entire senior year and ended up starting that fall. And so that's essentially what guys would be doing if they graduated in December and enrolled in January and there is a spring season, they've essentially started their clock a year early. But the, the difference is, is that, you know, instead of having to skip their senior year, like all together, like JT Daniels did, they just skip, you know, a semester of their senior year. But then they start their clock that much quicker. That means that they're that much closer to being three years out of high school and able to draft, draft in the NFL. Now, that said... It's ambitious, but it's also still unclear what the NCAA is going to allow. I mean, I, there really isn't a way the NCAA could stop them from playing because, like I said, with Daniels, it's about if you're NCAA qualified and yeah. you're signed and enrolled, you can do it. We, we saw last year Derek Stingley, a junior. You know, he was uh, the probably the best true freshman football player in the country last year. And one of the things that he did was the year before, he skipped playing in the Army Bowl to play and practice with LSU when they prepped for, I think they were in the Fiesta Bowl that year. He did Fiesta Bowl practices with LSU, wasn't eligible to play in the bowl game, but got about 10 to 12 practices. Then he got spring football. So by the time you know the, the season came around, he already had about 45, 50 practices under his belt before LSU started the season. And I think that that's what guys want to do. They want to get there and just start getting the college coaching, the college training, the college weight room, the college meal plan, all that stuff to develop. But I also think that because there's so much uncertainty about how scholarship numbers are going to work out, while there's guys that are ambitious enough to do it, it's still going to be up to the individual college. Are they going to be able to fit, you know, 95, 100 guys on scholarship with early enrollees? Is the NCAA going to give them a little bit of a pass for that? That remains to be seen. If we know anything about the NCA, it's, you know, expect the unexpected. Exactly. It's like also there could be the possibility, not to go too many theories out there, but where they come in, their eligibility doesn't count if there's a, some sort of spring season for back west, for Mountain West or Pac-12. Like maybe they could play a six-game year. I'm like, yeah, hey, you're just in like you were if you're rolling in spring football. And so that yeah. could be something where they actually gain a year. And that could be helpful like if you're a Mountain West kid where – you need next year to develop, but you have, you come in right away, play a handful of games, six to whatever they may play, eight games, and you're already that far ahead. It doesn't count for your year, and that next year is what you could be needed to maybe get to the NFL because, hey, I got to play free football, essentially. And the scholarship thing, too, like at BYU, they sent a ton of LDS missionary home, missionaries home recently, and Coach Kalani Satake is like, I love you, dude, but we don't have room for you right now, so you got to do something else for a year, whether go sure. back out and finish your mission some other way or just chill and work out and do your thing because their scholarship thing is beyond anybody. You want to be in scholarships, that's like the hardest thing to do when they're gone for two years, they go to school for a year. Their scholarship crunches even more. Crazy. Other schools are probably imagining what they got to deal with or maybe back of their mind. Hey, 
BYU has like seven or eight guys every year that are two, from class of 2017 or, you know what I mean, two years down the road, they're finally here. And that's why some of you see it, their class size is not always the full 25 or whatever it may be. They may have 18 or 20. One last thing real quick, like, I know you're main recruiting, but the transfer portal too is a big thing as well. Like, we have the Fresno State, their linebacker preseason player of the year, Justin Rice, say he's going to transfer. There may not be a place for these guys to go. Are they considering this, like, yes. for transfer? Even though he's really good and probably can land on almost any team available that's playing, he could yeah. find out, like, well, sorry, you're out of luck. And, like, how's that? And, what have you been heard with that? Because that's well, a big deal. And, and you, you kind of were talking about it a little bit earlier on, you know, when we were talking about the scholarship numbers with BYU having to say to some of their returning missionaries, we love you, but we don't have room for you. That's been one of the biggest issues that I've talked to college coaches is they kind of expected attrition in spring football, especially at schools where there might have been a new head coach. And they took over a program where there was a previous head coach who had a different scheme, different system, and you know, maybe a different way of just coaching. And guys then find out, you know what, I don't like the new coach. I don't like the new staff. So some of these schools kind of were expecting there to be attrition. They may have oversigned a little bit in February or in December to ensure that, hey, we know four or five guys are going to find themselves not anywhere near the depth chart, the top of the depth chart, and they're going to leave. Now we can find room for those other five freshmen or JUCOs that we signed. So now you carry it to this year where you got guys that are putting their names in the portal and essentially in panic mode. I mean, Justin Rice is a high profile and a player where there probably be some interest. I mean, imagine there's going to be an American conference school, maybe a big 12 school that, that could find, you know, a spot for him. But the flip side to that is that's if those schools even have scholarships. That's even if that school has the numbers to take it. So in a case like him, he's a, a good enough player where Fresno state probably understands what he's doing. They probably understand his rationale and reasoning for it. The thing with the portal is just because you go into the portal doesn't mean you can't come out of the portal. It doesn't mean you can't come back. So I would imagine Kalen DeBoer taking over, speaking of a new coach, taking over program, he's probably more likely to take rice back. But what about the guys who maybe overestimate their value and their talent? and think by going into the portal, they're magically going to have 20 to 30 options like they may have had as high schoolers. That's not the case because these schools are operating two, three weeks before their season starts with already limited numbers as it is with no attrition because you couldn't run guys off if you didn't have a spring practice and you didn't really want to run anybody off in the middle of a pandemic anyway. So now you got a lot of rosters that are probably having to get creative. Now it's a big risk for guys going into a portal as it is, but it's even bigger risk when you go on this late expecting schools to have the numbers. And, you know, that's really the fascinating thing is that Players aren't necessarily looking at it from a, hey, can this school manage my me on their roster standpoint? They're at, where can I go and play and make sure that I have my last season of football able to play? You know, just because a kid thinks that, you know, he's good enough to go anywhere in the country and play, there's still some schools like, yeah, we'd love to have you. But BYU, they can't even take the guys that they want to yeah. return back because of numbers. So what about schools that are basically saying, we'd love to have you, but we got nowhere to put you? Now kids have overestimated, and then they've lost their senior years entirely rather than just waiting. And, and that was one of the things with the Pac-12 and the Mountain West making that decision is that there was a lot of talk. Will these guys leave? The thing was, I didn't think a lot of them would leave because they still have to have a place to go. And most schools this late in the calendar year don't have a lot of flexibility on their roster as it is. So a lot of guys are kind of being forced to just sit around and wait until their seasons respectively are played. And yeah, you would think – yeah, because there's the issue, like, Marcus McMarion, Oregon State to Fresno worked out fairly well late. He had a couple weeks off, and then 
was a really good QB. I would think in this case, because he goes both ways. You leave, oh, no scholarship at Perspective School A. Coming back, there may not be a scholarship because we're going to play. I wonder if Rice could go back because if he finds no place to play. But he could also go the Warren Jackson route from CSU. He's like, I'm just going to the NFL. So yeah. there's also that too. And so one last thing here before we wrap up. What's uh, a little bit of actual recruiting here? I pulled up the recent 24-7 and of the Mountain West. It seems a little conspicuous. Not conspicuous, but it's interesting, I should say. The top five classes right now have all new coaches. UNLV, CSU, San Diego State, New Mexico, and Fresno State have the top five classes. Is that the normal new coach, new lifeblood? What? How does that happen? No, I mean, usually you see that that new hire zeal coming from those respective programs saying, hey, we got a new coach, new vision. A lot of those coaches, you know, in the case of, of New Mexico, in the case of Fresno State, in the case of UNLV, they've hired young, energetic coaches that came from programs where there's been a – just a, a complete ramp up of recruiting. You know, look at, you know, Marcus Royal come from Oregon, Mario Cristobal, what he's done at Oregon has been fascinating and fantastic. So Royal takes that same energy to UNLV. You, you have Gonzalez doing the same thing where Arizona state, everybody laughed at the Herm Edwards hire. The next thing you know, Herm Edwards is pulling in top 25 classes. That energy is the same thing Gonzalez takes to New Mexico, Fresno state, you know, DeBoer, even though he was just at Indiana for a year, you know, he realizes I got my own program. Now I got, you know, I'm no longer at an NAI school, and, and this is a program with a great tradition. You know, this is a school that's got guys like Paul George and Derek Carr and Aaron Judge. Fresno State's never had a hotter name in the professional ranks, so kids understand Fresno State has a lot of swag. Then you got, you know, schools like San Diego State, Grady Hoke. He's been in the big spotlight before at Michigan. He was at San Diego State before, and when he got San Diego State, I mean, he really – changed the face of recruiting for San Diego State, taking over for Chuck Long, and Rocky Long really carried that when he took over for Brady Hope. But Hope never had an issue recruiting when he was at Michigan. It was the coaching in the fall that always <laughs> seemed to be the question. But you know he was winning. And so you, you look at some of these schools, or he was winning in the recruiting battle, I should say. Yeah. So you look at what some of these schools have done. They, they hired coaches that you need kind of an image revamp. I mean, UNLV has for years struggled when it came to recruiting, and now you get Arroyo – and he comes in and he brings some energetic GAs that are now part of his staff. And those guys are getting turned loose and getting to recruit now. And I think you're, you're seeing a lot of that. But there's also the ability without a season right now, you get to sell hope for four more months at least. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things new coaches always like to preach. If we're building something different, we got something new. You're part of it. Even Bring if those it. coaches <laughs> – Exactly. You can be a part of what we're building. You can be one of those first steps into our revamping project. But one thing college coaches will never say publicly, but they always say internally, everything's great the first nine months of coaching. It's once the games start that it starts to get real. And so when you don't have a season to kind of derail all of the enthusiasm, the excitement the previous eight, nine months have brought, you now have an extra four months in a lot of these Mountain West coaches before the actual product on the field maybe more representative of what that coach is going to do at that program over the next few years. And you don't have to worry about maybe some losses on Saturday, killing the recruiting momentum. You still have a little bit more time rather than essentially kind of having your coaching called into question. Not that these coaches would, but I mean, some of these projects these guys are doing, there's a lot of work involved. This is not a one year deal. This is a two or three year deal. Uh, these coaches have had to have been told by the athletic directors, look, Take as much time as you need, you know, two to three years to clean it up and get it to where you want it to be. And some of these cases, with all the off-the-field issues some of these schools are dealing with, there's an even bigger project 
of cleaning up to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the longer you can go without having to play games, the better you can sell your vision without wins and losses coming into account. Yeah, especially New Mexico, Bob Davey last couple of years with like a Juco route, crazy. And so that'll take yes. a while to get enough scholarships on there. Then you got the CSU thing going on now where maybe it is good not playing football because that investigation of everything that's going on there, if there's the protocol COVID or racial stuff that could may or may not be going on, split decision on who's I mean, saying what. But it's Brian Harson's probably yeah. spending a lot of time yeah. at the lake and yeah. on the river or wherever <laughs> it is that you vacation in Boise, just going, yep, yeah, I got a great class. It may not be up there at the top, but talk to me in December or February. I'll probably have the number one class, and I'll have, an, you know, the most consistent program in the Mountain West. Yeah. And I'm sure he, you know, he probably welcomes that. He probably welcomes new coaches and new energy because it's good for the Mountain West. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's the thing. With, with the hires of Marcus Arroyo and with, you know, Gonzalez and with, you know, Kalen DeBoer and even Brady Hoke. I mean, everybody likes to, to joke about Brady Hoke and kind of tease the guy. But the fact of the matter is, man, that guy draws attention. He was an assistant at Oregon. He was an assistant at Tennessee. Brady Hoke still sets Twitter a buzz. I mean, Michigan Twitter is one of the, <laughs> the most active Twitters out there. And, you know, Brady Hoke is still good publicity for San Diego State. Has and now be. they've got the excitement for the new stadium coming here in the next few years. And they don't have to worry about, hey, is, is Brady Hoke going to retire? Is he going to leave at the next opportunity? I think he realizes I had a good thing there. I shouldn't leave. And I think that that's just good for the Mountain West across the board. When you look at the recruiting class, like you said, you see five new names at the top of the Mountain West recruiting rankings. That's good for the long-term health and long-term future of the Mountain West. And it's not just Boise State and everybody else. There's other schools that are starting to bring some dudes to the table that could, you know, make this con- this conference pretty competitive top to bottom. Yeah, it does. It's also it all came from – this is a dumb statement to say, but – Every guy they hired, I guess maybe Steve Adazio, where he's kind of let go, but he had good years at BC. They all came with Power Five program, all have done well from before, and so that's 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 kind of typical. You're not going to hire some some scrub off the street who's a P5 OC for a four and eight team, but that's not fired. But they bring guys who like the Brady Hoke thing is just amazing to me because San Diego State should never be as bad as they were under Chuck Long and before, like no. with Don Coriel and everything he's did, and then everybody else after. It's like Ryan Lindley, amazing quarterback, and he's a smart guy where let's slowly build in what we did before, and he's been the D-line coach. So they, they, there's no reason for them to be bad, but I'd love it. It would be great if the Rebels actually put a decent st- team together in Allegiant Stadium and they're not removed for some Miley Cyrus concert or something <laughs> to go back to Sam Boyd. It would be great. So and all these guys, like even DeBoer at Fresno, he is the two-year, you mentioned, comes from Indiana two years before, the best two-year stretch probably in Fresno history, just about two conference title game appearances. So... We'll see how it goes, but I think we've exhausted everything. We've gone through all the recruiting stuff. We craziness of how you're handling recruiting because it's a weird time to reach out to kids. Are we going to go spring, fall? Is the one, oh, one last thing? What what odds would you place on like the second signing period, the February one, being pushed back to allow for like high school season and more evaluation? I, I would put pretty good odds on that happening. I think what you're going to end up seeing is a probably April signing period, like they do with NCAA basketball, where there's the November signing period in basketball, and then there's the April signing period. And a lot of the high-profile guys typically get to wait until April. They are the ones that are usually waiting to see what's John Calipari's Fab Five of this year going to do. <laughs> oh, they're all leaving for the NBA. Cool, I'm going to Kentucky. A lot more of those high-level guys will wait longer in the process. In football, it's kind of the opposite because of the way the basketball season is. You don't really get to have early graduation. You know, you, you be smack dab in the middle of your season. But in football, if you do have, 
you know, guys that want to sign in December that they can be there in January, you still give them that opportunity. I think the majority of the Pac-12 and Mountain West want signatures on paper as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. So I don't see December going away, but that means April, you're going to see probably a move to move that February signing period until April, because then all those states that are playing March to May, they at least have four or six games maybe that college coaches can evaluate and, and see is there anybody remaining in the 2021 class that we want to see play their senior year? If you do it in February, you basically have told Washington, Oregon, Nevada, and Colorado kids, hey, if you didn't sign December, you're screwed. Yeah. Now, Roll the dice. <laughs> and, the, and keep in mind, that's, you know, eight Pac-12 states right there, or eight, eight Pac-12 schools in those states, or six, I don't know, I can't, I'm not very good in math, but you're telling us <laughs> actually half the Pac-12, you can't recruit your in-state kids in the 2021 class because we're not giving you the opportunity to sign after February. You've got to take out an account. And that's, again, best case scenario. That's assuming that no other states push their season back anymore. What happens if there's another spike in cases yeah. in Texas and Georgia? Cancel Florida? season or something. Like, you play four games and you're done. Exactly. You know, the key states are in the southeast. If they start having to cancel some of their high school seasons, then the SEC will start like, hey, hey, we were just joking. No, 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 we still want that free period now. Let's go back to February. Or let's go back to April instead of February, guys. And then the NCAA will probably make a move after Nick Saban and his crew, you know, finally realize that they're being affected by it. Yeah, and I'm interesting, too. Like, you mentioned guys coming to Utah. They're still playing high school. Ohio, high school football is going on there. They come into state, like you mentioned, hey, maybe Kyle Whittingham or um, what's his, uh, Ohio State, Ryan Day can, like, yeah, we'll look out for this random guy. But if they're not playing, it's like, and you don't play, it's like, and they get canceled, well, you're out of luck as well. Double, everything's, everything's like a double edge. you got to make your choices, decisions very carefully. And it, it's tough. And this, like, to be honest, like, this got to be the hardest, like, it already is the hardest decision these kids are making, essentially, up until this age of their life. And now if they deal with, okay, I'm playing here. Do I enroll now? Do I wait? Do I, like, it multiplies it by 10 to figure it out. And it's like, I'm hoping everybody makes the right choice that works out for everybody, even though we know it won't. But hopefully the decision they make, they're comfortable with. And when they sign the deadline and enroll, whenever that may be, everything works for the best. That's all we can hope for now, that they just make the most informed decision as possible and just, I guess, cross their fingers and hope everybody gets what they want. Yeah. I mean, class of 23, though, like you might be the next normal recruiting class. Yeah. You might be the next normal football season that exists so you might be a freshman now but you know all lives might be shifting to you because we may not see normal until that class of 23 that going to be sophomores this fall are freshmen in college exactly all right brand i appreciate you hopping on for a while for us so excellent info again go to 247sports.com you got the 10-year uh, anniversary this week that's pretty cool too for those guys so you got yeah. that that going on so a lot of good stuff over there check you out brandon huffman on twitter you retweet every commit possible it seems like and all some great info but yeah, any recruiting stuff, follow, follow him. Go to their site. i got all the plenty of Mountain West sites over there doing their great recruiting things. But, uh, Brandon, hope everything goes well, and we'll just, uh, I guess, see how college football goes in high school for the next uh, year, I guess, almost. <laughs> cross, cross those fingers that we get some semblance of college football out west at some point, and then hope for the best, and I guess find an ACC or a Big 12 or an SEC school that we can quasi-support this fall just so we have something to enjoy on Saturdays. People let me to say we got the you got you got two teams in Mountain Time Zone, BYU and UTEP. So I guess if you really want to pick a team at last, that's all you got. <laughs> there we go. Go Miners. Go Miners, yes. Yeah, so excellent. Thanks again, Brandon. All right, once again, that was Brandon Huffman, 24-7. Excellent, excellent stuff you brought out to talk about with how recruiting works, how it's going to work. 
again, how the uh, the Mountain West, how they can maybe take advantage of getting these guys that had their hooks in and no worry, no too worry of a uh, pushback from a uh, a sly author at love offer at eleven fifty nine p.m. day before signing day or something like that. So it'll be intriguing to, intriguing to find out. Like eligibility wise, can guys come in for the spring and play right away in January, or guys or can they get a like either that's their freshman year. Their clock starts early, or they get a free pass because, say, the Mountain West or Pac-12 plays just six games, and the NCAA is going to be like, well, that doesn't count. Or maybe they'll give them five years to actually play five instead of a redshirt year, like they can actually play or maybe adjust that. So, so much great stuff to get into. It's an ever-changing thing within college football and now recruiting. Because like, I like what Brandon said, like this could be 2023 might be the first real original, not original, but more uh, traditional, what we've used to be seen for offers commits uh official pro- official days vis- official visits because like he mentioned like unofficial visits they can go to the campus hang out but they're not getting the tour by the coach i make the lame ipad on a segue joke but that's not the same as going to like a seeing a game of full packed house because how many times you see recruits that come to the big game they'll be at the cotton bowl for texas oklahoma georgia florida there in jacksonville but go to the big time games like the mountain west title game boise state fresno state a couple years ago every year when there's a P5 coming in town, like San Diego State, UCLA, or Fresno State, USC, they'll bring kids to those games and see the big-time opportunities they could have. And so we'll see how it goes. But that was, again, great stuff for Brandon Huffman there to join us and talk about everything in recruiting world, how it's flipped upside down for his job, the kids. Because like I said, this is their biggest decision to date ever as an, as a, not adult, but I mean a soon-to-be adult college guy. It's like now it's even harder, so you got to be careful and make the right decision. So Appreciate him hopping on, and we'll be back for our next podcast. We'll be doing a basketball podcast next time. Um, at least that's the plan. I guess I'll promise and hopefully deliver over the weekend. But we'll be back on Sunday um, talking about basketball bubble because that seems to be a thing going up. And there's some interesting stuff there that I put out. And also our buddy Andy Dykoff did as well for like a giant NCAA tournament bubble. So we'll, me and him will be chatting about college hoops later. Uh, me and Matt Karen will be back about talking some Pac – or not Pac-12, but um, got Pac-12 on the mind from my other job. But who should you root for in the Mountain West? Like, if there's a football team out there, we'll find some comps and go through that and have some fun. But, again, thanks for listening. Download the show. If you just streamed it or found it someplace, go subscribe. We'd like a couple of reviews if you'd like over to Apple Store, right? Whatever it's called, an Apple Podcast, Stitcher. Go leave, leave us a review if you like it, don't like it. Just tell us what you want to do, any improvements or not. And also, heck, if you want stuff to talk about, let us know because we're looking for ideas. MWCR on Twitter is probably the best place where DMs are open to accept those. So shoot them our way, and we'll see what we can get to. But, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time, folks.